This is Everyday Driver, where we know cars are expensive and necessary and have to do a world of things. But we also believe they should be fun. Whatever you need and can't afford, we're here to help you find the right car. We're your car friends, your car therapists, and sometimes the bad influence you need. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is The Car Debate. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. It is another Tuesday. Thank you for being with us. We've got a cool topic Tuesday coming up. We've got a good car debate, but we also have some announcements up front. Cool stuff going on. Check out our website, everydaydriver.com, under the Adventures tab. We are announcing the Colorado Adventure. Mm -hmm. It's the weekend of September 21 to 24, 2023, in Colorado, and it's designed to be spouse-friendly. Yes, this is a higher-end trip, less kind of driving at all cost focused than the trips we've done before. It's going to be very cool. I think my wife might be coming. It's going to be a very fun adventure. We've we've got really nice hotels. We've got high-end dinners. It is a different style trip than we've done prior, but that's why it's much more spouse-friendly. Also, the second day of driving, there's a couple things going on. First off, you don't have to go on the drive because we're going to be at the same place two nights in a row. So if your right. significant other doesn't want to go on the drive, they can hang out in the town of Telluride, which will be awesome. And we just found out there's other cool autumn events going on in the town of Telluride the weekend we're there, including kind of the Telluride equivalent of the Monterey Car Week. I mean, it's not quite as big, but their kind of thing like that is going to be going on the weekend we're there. So we expect a lot of exotics and crazy stuff going on in town, which should be really cool. Plus, we're going to drive some amazing western Colorado roads. We'd love to have you with us. This did go out to patrons first. I have to warn you. Come and join it's us. about half full, but yeah. there's still spaces, and we'd love to have you with us. Yeah, for sure. Also, on Blipshift, our T-shirt is currently automotively irresponsible <laughs> from podcast episode 774. You remember back in February of 2023 when we were talking about being automotively irresponsible? I love this shirt. That has turned into a T-shirt. Yep. It is now available on our partner store, so go to Blipshift.com and find our partner store, Everyday Driver, and you can buy one for yourself. Also, I want to remind you about Grillo's Garage Spring Sale. Mm. They are generously giving everybody listening 20% off all liquid car care products mm. from March 23 to 28, 2023. Which is, a, which is an increase of the amount of, of discount. We typically have 10 to 15. Yes. This is 20%. Yes. Usually we have 15% off all liquid car care That's products. Right. This is 20% off liquid car care through March 28th. And just use the same code, mm -hmm. eDriver. You can stock up for all the springtime car washing that is coming your way. I can't wait to wash the car. Why won't the snow melt? Exactly. I got to foam the car again. You got to foam the car. Yes. The snow's melted. Well, the snow's not quite melted. It hasn't, that's the problem. It hasn't melted. I should actually use the sprayer to try to knock down the snow so I can wash the car. It's ridiculous. I'm just glad you're excited to wash your car. <laughs> I never thought a pressure washer at a foam cannon would excite oh, me this gosh. much, but apparently the Z needs to be washed, so that needs to happen. Last piece of information before we jump to our topic Tuesday, and that is on our test drive channel. We are switching releases to Sunday afternoons, mm -hmm. and we have started off with a Lexus RX 350H. That's yep. our first Sunday afternoon release, and it turns out it's actually kind of paying off. YouTube tells us our audience is online watching then, mm -hmm. and so we're really shooting for all of our test drives to now drop Sunday afternoons, mm -hmm. somewhere in the noon to 2 p.m. time frame uh, yep. right in there. And on our original channel, keep in mind, we have new stuff coming pretty much every other Thursday is when that releases. And this Thursday, I can't tell you what yet, but this is the big reveal of our new family car. You got a new car. It's pretty I did. awesome. I'm very excited to share it. Yeah, it's cool. Whatever car you're looking for and wherever it's listed, you'll find it with Autotempest.com. Autotempest.com brings together results from all the top used car listings anywhere online to save you time and help you find the perfect car. 
It even lets you compare with nationwide results from Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist, and far beyond your local area. Plus, you can now get email alerts for your search, so you're sure not to miss anything. You can even price and find new cars from nearby dealers. That's why Auto Tempest is now the official sponsor of all our test drive videos. We use it to search for new cars or used cars wherever they are. So when you're doing your drive homework or you're chasing your next family car or you're just browsing so you can see what's out there, go to autotempest.com slash everyday so they know we sent you. Auto Tempest. All the cars. One search. For our topic Tuesday, Edwin is writing in and his question is, Can you love a car that other people hate? Now, that sounds really controversial. And as I dig in here, I'm like, well, we're not really as controversial as it first seems. But it is an interesting question from Edwin. He's also wondering, I mean, you could, but should you? Should you allow yourself? Can you tolerate the fact that you have a car that everybody else is like, really? Give yourself permission to love that car? Mm -hmm. Well, Edwin has been looking for a fun weekend car. He's in California. He's owned an O2 Honda Civic. 07 CRV. He's had an 09 Acura TSX, a 16 BRZ manual. Mm. And now what he's got is a 2016 Lexus IS 200T. For his fun weekend car, he's been looking heavily into a 370Z, Nismo, hopefully. He says manual, of course. He knows it's an old car without much changes, too many changes in new Mm -hmm. tech, and lots of people seem to hate it. But it's a car that he's loved ever since he was in seventh grade, and he says he admits this is partially an emotional purchase. He says he won't track it much, so it'll be a purely a fun street car for light canyon runs. Interesting. Okay, all right. Question number one is, if he didn't consider that, it sounds like you're kind of already sold. If there's an emotional attachment, you're kind of yeah. already in there. Liked it since seventh grade. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. It's been around a while. Uh-huh. But he's opened other suggestions yep. that we have for this fun manual weekend car, rear wheel or all-wheel drive, something with power and something reliable. He is tired of driving weak Four bangers. Now, keep in mind, he owned a 2016 Subaru BRZ. And I think it's interesting. We come back around to, I am tired of driving weak (laughs) four cylinders. Okay. All right. Good to know. Reliability, he also says, is a big issue. And just so you know, that reliability is directly connected to weak four bangers. (laughs) The weaker the engine, the more reliable it is. That is a very, very good point. It's a sliding scale. You're right. You want some high-strung AMG, crazy horsepower Uh four-cylinder? Maybe just take a little bit out of that reliability. Mm -hmm. You you know that new AMG four-cylinder that we loved in the CLA and is going to find its way into the new Lotus Emira that gets nearly 400 horsepower and torque out of a (laughs) four-cylinder. Yeah. That is an unbelievable engine and transmission to drive. And I understand why Lotus is picking it as the alt, but there is that part of me that just goes... What's the lifespan of that engine? I mean, it is yeah. breathing really heavy all the time. I mean, Edwin, you remember all those cars that have 300,000 miles on them? They're like Camrys, which <laughs> means their engines are very understressed. They're reliable because the engines don't have much stress on it's them. It's Ford F-150s with some old iron block V8 yeah. or a Toyota Camry or Honda, Honda Accord, and all of which have been driven just lots of commute miles. Pretty much. No, nobody's launched out. it off of anything. There were no yes. track days. He is scared of German cars because okay. of the ownership cost and maintenance. He's He says he could afford an E92 M3. He's looking okay. at that. All right. But he's backing away from that, wondering what our other suggestions are. And then question two, do we love a car that many people hate? Does it change our opinion on the car? Hmm. Let's start with the cars that many people hate. Oh, you're going to go, oh, you're going to list it up. Got it. Okay. I'll start with my 928. All right. Many people like it, Mm -hmm. and then they back away and say, I would never own that thing. (laughs) On the other hand, 
they've been really reliable when you keep them maintained. But <laughs> of course, Edwin, you could say that about any car. You put sure. money yeah, into yeah. it. Of course, it's going to be reliable mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I dumped a whole bunch of money into it. It just finished four road trips in four different directions across yeah. the country. Yeah, yeah. It didn't hiccup once. I thought it was going to. I was actually prepared for it to. You were never left stranded. There were hassles. Watch those trips. But you were never left stranded, which is key. There was no flatbedding that car ever. Many people have said, yeah, I used to own a 928 and it was liable and it ran great. But then the maintenance came around. And so Mm -hmm. then people decided to not spend money on the maintenance. And then the cars aren't reliable at that point, which is why Maseratis have the same problem. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, QP5s. You, you you happily pushed the the maintenance on to the next owner. I just <laughs> it's still running currently. Forwarded, I paid it forward. Yes, you did for right. sure. Dodge Vipers. I mean, cool, but do you want one? People kind of love to hate that car. Well, and and the people that love them really love them, and then everybody else is like, yeah. How about Ferraris in general? Okay, all right. Any German car, as you said, mm-hmm. Lamborghinis too. You hate YouTubers or something like that. And so the mm. Lamborghini sort of makes that connection for you. And like, I don't like, I admit to that. Really not into Lamborghinis. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't care about them. They're for certain people. <laughs> and I see one and I just think, I, I hope you're into the driving aspect. And they're fun cars to drive. They're good cars to drive, but they are flashy. Mm-hmm. They're flashiness first. Sure. Rather oh, yeah, than yeah. driving first. Yeah, it's notice me first for sure. Yeah. Lotus Esprit. Awesome car. No, I don't want one. <laughs> no. Okay. All right. Sure. Rolls Royces, Bentleys, Nissan GTRs. I could go on, but mm-hmm. I'll stop there. I want to address your cheap sports car challenge. And that's what it is, Edwin. Yeah. For question one, go look at our cheap sports car challenge. We pulled together eight of the cars that mm-hmm. were cheaper than they've gone up a little bit, but prices are still not crazy on the, on these eight cars. Sure. Yeah. They're all genuine two door, two seat rear wheel drive manual sports cars. You're right. Yeah. Most of them are convertibles and we drove a 350 in that lineup. You could certainly put a 370 in there, but yeah. it's not cheap enough. It sounds like you can afford a Nismo, which is mm-hmm. great. Cool. So that opens up some options for you. I will suggest the Hyundai Veloster N and the Elantra N Oh uh, sure, yeah. they're not weak four bangers, and they are, but they are front wheel drivers. So they're it's a slight, it's different for, for sure. Yeah, four cylinder. You could go look at BMW one series or two series if you're afraid of that V8 in the M3. Mm-hmm. And also, Todd had that Z4 that just ran. It did. It ran really well. Yeah. Yes, there's some cost to it, but generally speaking, Z3s and Z4s don't cost you that much. Not that much more, I would say, mm-hmm. than any other car. So I would say, take a look at a Z4, just as your fun weekend car. Okay. The Z4, I really like that car because it just felt solid every time I drove it. Yeah, it, it actually it drove really great. well, and I thoroughly enjoyed that. That's a good one. I like that. Edwin, I want to talk to you about the 370Z first, and then I want to talk to you about loving cars other people don't like and why that's fine. It's, it's all good. But first, this 370Z. First, the thing you have to know is... I, I truly think that the 370Z is underappreciated, but it's underappreciated because there's other really good stuff that overlaps that car. Yeah. Mainly the Cayman. Yeah. And if you want to go more hardcore, my Elise. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So both of those cars were in similar price proximity to the 370Z and did the 370Z thing better. We end up with cars we don't recommend as much that are still good because there's a better competitor in the same mm-hmm. market. Yeah. And this is the problem with anything that the Cayman overlaps because the Cayman is really, really good. But the thing is, a lot of times the car we're not talking about is also very good. 
the Nissan 300ZX that becomes the 350 that becomes the 370. Those are all very good cars. Okay, now my 300 I think is a different personality than the 350 and 370. Of course, the 350 now is like buy yourself a track car. There's they're robust. There's so many parts available. The 370 is a refinement of that. The 370 is excellent to drive. Now you can get it in various different trims, but I do think it gets surpassed by other things. Corvettes and Caymans both. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. But I will say this. The last time I drove a 370 Nismo was actually at a press event with track time. It's been a while, hasn't it? It's been a while. But I was in that car, and I had two thoughts. First off, it was just over 55 grand, which was a lot. Yeah. Especially considering. Now, the new Z starts at 40 grand, and the one you want is 50 or more. The old Z, the 370, started at 30. So 55 to 60 grand was the upper level. And at that point, that's a really, at the time, that was a really expensive car. But the thing I was blown away by is the Nismo on track was superb. I cannot overstate how good it was. I remember pulling yeah. back into the pits and being like, this car is great. Yeah. Except agreed. it's 55 grand. But it's not anymore. That's the key thing. Can you get a Nismo? For forty, and I, honestly, I haven't done a search on Auto Tempest, and you should. But can you get a Nismo for forty? If you can, that is a deal of a car. Now you're wanting to have it as a fun car, so typically I wouldn't say get a Nismo as a drive it around LA car. But if you're getting it just as your fun car, like canyons, not even tracking, just canyons, then yeah. Go for the full Nismo. Just embrace it. Now, if you're going to drive it more as a daily, then I want you to be back more in the actual 370, not the full Nismo edition. There's a lot of those out there. If you like that car, if that's a car you are drawn to, I feel like you have to get it. Overall, what we want you to do is love your car. Yep, if absolutely. If you don't get yep. one of those, it's always going to be out there as a, should I have gotten that? Let's say, for sake of argument, and I don't want this for you, Edwin, but let's just say you get a Nismo or even just a 370, you're like, this isn't as good as I hoped. Well, exactly. Keep it six months. Exactly. Uh, you you still need to buy one, I think. We mm-hmm. can make other suggestions like we yeah, are. Yeah, for sure. But it'll still be lingering. Mm-hmm. And if you don't buy it, you'll always wonder, like Todd said, I'm open to that Nismo, mm-hmm. even if you're not going to track it. I mean, of course, tracking is uh, higher consumables, especially on that car. Yeah. Brakes and tires. But it's excellent. But it is fun and excellent, and I think it'd be great. But you're right. If you get it and you think, you know what? It's just it's not quite what I thought it was. I had it on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. It doesn't belong there. <laughs> I want something different. Well, you know, I'll give you an example. I got that Mini Cooper, the world's uh, highest mile, nicest maintained Mini Cooper that I had as a winter car. And I liked it the day I bought it, and I liked it the day I sold it. In the middle, I discovered I, I don't love this car. I don't need to keep it, but I'm glad to have the experience. That might be you with the 370. But now let me speak to cars other people don't like. I, I actually don't think the 370 gets hate. I just think it gets overshadowed by other cars that people really love. Right. Okay. There's plenty of 370 fans out there and there's a lot of good things about that car. But if you have a car that is inferior to something else in the segment, but you love it, buy it. If you're self-aware enough to understand, yes, I could have gotten car X, but I like this one and you like it. Fine. What I don't want you to be is like, well, but I got this one because it's just, it's the best in the segment. If you know, it isn't. Well, true. Okay, don't be it's that person who, who's yeah. coming out with pitchforks because, no, mine's the best, and that's why. I You're aware that that other car is out there. You're not blind to it. Sure. But yeah. you love your car. You know what happens there is? People can't argue with that. 
True. They can come at, yeah. at you. If you think the car that is inferior in the segment is the best car in the segment, <laughs> now you're in a fight. A stats fight. Yeah, but if, but if you bought that it because nothing. you like it, I'll give you, I'll give you the best example I can think of right now. The Alpha 4C is a flawed car. I've driven yeah. it on track, and it was not good on track. That was kind. Yeah, you couldn't wait to get out of it. I actually. couldn't wait to park that thing. But I will say this. We took it on our Midlands and Mountains film forever ago against a Lotus Elise, better than the 4C, and a Porsche Cayman, better than the 4C. True. All right? Like, objectively better than, than, than that car. However, we also drove the Spider on Highway 1 True. in Big Sur in California, and it was perfect. The 4C Spider in Big Sur on Highway 1, I was kind of like, you know what? I'd rather be in this right now than the Cayman or the Lotus. And I know objectively they're both better cars to drive. My point here is if somebody tells me they bought a 4C and they love it because the kind of driving they do, it's perfect for them. If somebody told me they bought a 4C and they left it stock and it's their track car, I'd be like, hang on a minute. Mm-hmm. Okay? I just like having a cheap Italian exotic. It looks like a Ferrari. It sounds amazing. I love the way I drive it. I cruise in it. I have a great time. It's good on all the kind of driving that I, that I do. And I'm going to go, bless you. Great. It's, the 4C is right for you. So, Edwin, if the Nismo or the, even the standard 370 is the car that's right for you and you're self-aware to understand where it is in the market, just love it. Buy it. Love it. Who's, what's wrong with that? Nothing. Dear listeners, you have heard me talk about dirtying up the martini. If you've been listening mm. to the podcast for any length of time, and I'm gaining more clarity as we're discussing this, because I have talked about making cars imperfect that are future EVs or future mm-hmm. hybrid electric vehicles. Yeah, yeah. And the imperfections are what give a car character. Now, yes. I didn't like the Alpha 4C on track. And on track, you do want something that is approaching perfection for either your driving style or the car itself. You do want something that is excellent. And you want it to respond the same way in the corner, the same every time. You'd like a little consistency It needs to be quite consistent, and it really was not. But to your point about this Alpha Spider, I enjoyed it on PCH2. Yes. I was driving six-tenths. I wasn't hurrying, Mm -hmm. maybe seven, but it was enjoyable because it was so quirky. I also knew that I didn't own it. And I'm going to be getting out of it soon. But sure. I did enjoy that drive. It was a fantastic day. And yes, it's imperfect in some weird, funky ways that mm-hmm. you can enjoy at that time. And so for specific uses, yes, I want something as close to perfection as I can find. And whatever we're comparing it to, absolutely. But on the other hand, I have to eat some crow. Mm. Because I'm wanting future EVs that are sports cars or even moderately advertised as fun to drive. Sure, sure. They will have imperfections inherently just to make them fun to drive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we all have to recalibrate what we think is fun. What am, what am I getting out of this right now? Well, yeah, it's, yeah. it's not the best car on track, but it's the best car for this road right now and the top's down and the sun's shining. Sure, and it, sure. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I look forward to more imperfect cars. I just hated that car on track. Yeah, I get it. Can you fix that? Sure, but... This is the way the car was conceived, engineered, designed, mm-hmm. and built. You could make just about any car ultra-competitive by throwing money at it and tuning it. Sure, of course you could, yeah. So, okay, we, we've got to take all these things into consideration, but I'm still open to more imperfections and experiencing that and liking in the moment and liking for what it is. I'll, gi- I'll give unless, you another car. Again, unless we're on track and like, you know what, this is not suited for what we're trying to do with it. I'll give you another car that I wouldn't say is hated, but is the overlooked car, and that is the Fiat 124, the updated one. Sure. The Miata's better. 
the the ND2 Miata I would take over the 124 period I like the styling better I like just better 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 but the 124 is an interesting alt if you're a person who likes that styling and would Mm -hmm. like to have a turbo power plant or you just don't want to be a person that owns a Miata and you think that car is great looking I personally am not drawn to the 124 but we've had people we've recommended them to yeah even though I know the ND Miata exists and it's pretty much the same car. Yeah. But if you prefer the 124 and that's right for you, then that, that's the interesting thing. Is some of these alts create opportunity financially because they aren't the one everyone's seeking out. We're reading stuff about the Integra Type S already. Yeah. It's got yeah. five more horsepower than the Civic Type R. Woo! Five horsepower. You really can't feel <laughs> with your butt. <laughs> Usually you just you can't. <laughs> Maybe it will change a number. Maybe. But I'm open to that, and I mm, like mm. the alt, but I wish cars like that had a more distinctive spread. Sure, yeah, yeah. Whether it's, mm-hmm. maybe it's not power, maybe it is in chassis tuning, maybe it's yeah, yeah. The, the specific approach, because that Fiat, I wish had a broader spread from the Miata sure. to make it deliberately more different. Maybe it has 100 more, pa- uh, more horsepower, Sure, sure. and it's this much more expensive. Or you know what? This is the really tight, not grand touring version mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of the Miata. Like, Miata's great. It's just a little spongy, a little too soft, more of a Grand Tourer. Yeah, I see where you're going. I'd like more of a spread in there, but that does have to mean maybe some imperfections that give it character. <laughs> if you've got a topic Tuesday, like Edwin, write to us, TV at gmail.com. We want to remind you that one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle is better brakes. An upgraded brake system can transform a vehicle's performance and give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation. Track, trail, or traffic, every vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price. No matter what your vehicle is or your driving style, PowerStop has a complete brake upgrade kit for you. Head to PowerStop.com. Fill in your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder, and you'll be matched with complete kits and components that are low-dust, truly noise-free, and feature upgraded stopping power. We have both experienced firsthand the upgrade quality on our own vehicles. I've got the Z36 truck and tow pads and rotors on my Ford Expedition, and it brakes more powerfully than it ever has. Join the thousands of drivers that have already transformed their vehicle into a stopping powerhouse today. Power Stop. Brake upgrades made easy. Luca B. is from Brazil, but he's in America now. Love it. He's got a car that he wants to bring over from Brazil. Okay. Luca's been listening to the podcast since 2021, and he finally thinks it's time to hear what we've got to say about that. Luca, thanks for listening. Really appreciate it. He just got a job as an engineer and is thinking about bringing his car from Brazil, a 1998 Fiat Maria weekend with an inline five turbo packed with mods, about 400 wheel horsepower. This is Really interesting I because I didn't know Fiat Marias could have 400 horsepower. Uh, well, I didn't even know what a Fiat Maria looked like until I had to Google it. And just so you're aware, this is a kind of pinched nose, long hatch wagon. Okay, it's a full-on wagon. It is a wagon, and it has a, a very, very low nose. This is not a perfect description, but remember the old, the old silhouette minivan. Ooh, it, it, it's in that kind of vein. It, it looks better than that, but in that kind of vein, as far as styling is concerned. So this is not a car you would imagine would have 400 horsepower. Not at and all. they have done forged internals, 400 horsepower. He has it in Brazil. And the first part of the question is it would cost about $7,000 to bring the car to America. He and his father spent the past seven years and tons of money building this wow wagon that you would never talk about a sleeper. You would never expect it into a monster 
he loves it, but obviously he doesn't drive it much because it's in Brazil. And now that he's here, he's just wondering, should he bring it over or should other things be done? He says he loves that car, but he's got this. He's being presented a whole different set of cars. Mm-hmm. His childhood dream is a Chevy Camaro with a V8 and a manual. That OG muscle engine with push rods, low revving, high torque, and that sound we love. He says, That's great. Love it. As a first car here in the country, he bought a 99 Chevy Astro for three grand to commute and take stuff and people around. Perfect. He says it's very cheap and reliable, but it is a gas guzzler. Yes, mm-hmm. it is. And he wants to buy his first brand new car. It must be manual. He's got around $50,000 saved. And he wonders if he should buy something more rational and leave that V8 American car dream in standby. Or should he follow his heart and get the Camaro? Luca, you know you wrote this podcast, right? Yeah, you, you wrote to us. <laughs> yeah, be more rational is not really our, our that's our, not our default <laughs> setting, buddy. Remember that t-shirt, automotively irresponsible? Yeah, uh-huh. We try to manifest that every podcast episode. He says the van does not wor- is not worth enough money to sell, mm-hmm. but it's good bang for the buck. And so he doesn't know what to do with the Astro or the Maria, and should he buy the Camaro? Mm. He needs our help. I love it. My first thought for you, Luca, and I'm asking this question. I, I don't know what the story is. You you know about the Maria, and I don't, okay? But it was never sold here. Have you looked? You said it's $7,000 bringing it to the U.S. That's probably to ship it. Can you even register that vehicle? I, right. I'm not convinced that you can. It's 98, so that's, so, is that 25 years yet? That's I, 25 I years. Guess, yeah. I guess you're just old enough that maybe you can. But my first question for you is, I want you to go to your local DMV and dig in. Don't just go, well, it should be old, it should be fine. I, you need to go and ask some serious mm, questions yeah. because I'm not certain you can get it here and make it legal. And even if you're doing the 25-year rule, it's not just like, oh, yeah, it's all good, it's easy, just fill out a four. It, it's uh, everybody I know that's done this. This is why our friend Adam at Soto Moto is so awesome because yeah. he just has the process of importing them. And by the time you get them from him, this is solved. Right. Okay? Right. So you're talking about you personally want to bring your car over that was never a U.S. car. It's an older car. You want to register it. Is that going to be straightforward? Or are you going to have a car where you're just like, I can't drive this? Or it's going to cost all this extra money to register it. So I want you to solve that part first because I'm not sure it can be street legal here. And then what you end up with is a car that you have history with. But are you going to drive it here? Hmm. I just I, I don't have an answer. But are you really going to drive that? I'm kind of wondering if you are. And if you aren't, I think you shouldn't spend the money. I'm wondering if it's going to be here and be that car that sits and collects dust in the corner and you have to take it to Cars and Coffee and then you have to explain it. Because that's the other part of it. It's going to sit there at Cars and Coffee, and people are going to be like, it's a wagon that I've never seen before. It's an odd-looking wagon. What right. is that? But then if you know the story, and it's like, wait, this is a what now? That's a good point. I'm wrestling with this. I know you've got the Astro, and I know that you've had it for a while. What we don't know is where in the U.S. you are. Luca, I don't think your email says. So we don't know where you are, so that will definitely affect things like weather and our tire recommendations. True, yeah, yeah. But if you do get that Camaro, we recommend winter tires if you're in a place that gets snow and gets even cold, yeah. mm-hmm. ice and weather below 45 Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. So you could make that work. And I want you to have this car because it seems like you've been waiting a while. Yeah. yeah. And this has been your childhood dream. Nowhere in your email do, do you say, the Fiat Maria has been my childhood dream to build it into 400 <laughs> wheel horsepower even though I love that you did it as a project with your dad. That's really cool, actually. And you yeah, have that agreed. as the memories. But seven grand to bring it to the U.S. Mm-hmm. 
that goes a long way towards a Camaro with a V8 and a manual. Yeah, it does. I'm concerned that you bring it here. It's not what you want to do with it. It's not the car that you really want. You've mm-hmm. got the emotional attachment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really not the car that you want to have here. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to recommend that you look into selling the Maria. Oh, wow. Okay. Even though you do have that emotional attachment mm-hmm. with the car. But I think the times that you had with your dad are still more important than the final product. I realize that you don't have the thing, the the thing you can touch or drive or the object that signifies your relationship with your dad. The memories you've got in your heart, the photos that you've taken along the build, I still think that's more important Mm. and will ultimately allow you to, if you lean on that, that'll allow you to get out of the Maria, unless your dad is driving in Brazil, unless Mm -hmm. it's still there and, you know, I know you can't sell it for what you put into it with no. all that money. Hopefully dad's throwing down in that wagon. He's just taking people at the lights for the exactly. Yeah. Unless he's just taking everybody. I can't justify spending seven grand to bring that mm. here. It's not like it's a special build. Yeah. 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 But it's special because it, it's your build. It's not because it's a unique special car. Oh, agreed. It's not like everybody's like, oh, they built a Maria. Right. You guys built a Maria and it's, Correct. and it's really cool, but it's very much, it, it's a car you have to explain and that's fine, but it's not a, oh, it's they, not some, they have one of those, you know, well-known yeah, or yeah, yeah. a sports car mm-hmm. or even a car that we don't get in the U S that is something hot. You built mm-hmm. it up or another type of sleeper that, wow, that's really worth bringing over. By the way, they were originally a hundred horsepower. <laughs> it has four times the stock power. Ponder that for a second, folks. Four times the stock power. Now, to give you a frame of reference, we just drove the Civic Type R, which has 315 horsepower. You know what? I'll do simpler math. We just drove the GR Corolla, 300 horsepower. There you go. Four times the power, and that is a 1,200 horsepower GR Corolla. This has four times its stock power. I... <laughs> I'm leaning towards front wheel drive. Oh, my gosh. I... <laughs> I, I love that you built this car. Mm-hmm. It's still, you would have to put even more money into it. It's got a D pillar for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. It's that long. To be a Canyon car or a drag race kind of car or anything really that car enthusiasts do with cars mm-hmm. in the US, something Canyon or track, it's inherently physically not up to the challenge. Sure. I know I just said you can make any car dance and you can, but mm-hmm. to what cost? Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. cost is an object here when you could put that seven grand towards a Camaro. I feel like I'm repeating myself. Get the Camaro, get rid <laughs> of the van, sell the the Astro to somebody else. The Maria might have to leave your life unless your dad just wants to keep it. It's still in your family. Everything's paid for probably mm-hmm. by now. Leave it with your dad, leave it in the family. And it doesn't come here and get that Camaro. I, I want you to have this car. I'm not even going to suggest alternatives because mm. this is your childhood dream. You're right. Let's get you a Camaro. That's that's hard to argue with. But I let's agree. put that money towards that. And whenever you visit Brazil, you'll have the car there, right? Very interesting. Luca, I mostly agree with Paul here. I am going to say, though, in the case of the Astro, I kind of wonder if, if you have a place to store it, just keep it. Should because we build that into a 400 horsepower? No, let's really not. That okay. really doesn't deserve it. That, that's, that's a build <laughs> that no one needs. No one needs uh, a heavy-duty Astro van. That's not a thing. True. Anyway, uh, so the Astro, it was so cheap to buy. It's the bang-around, haul-people-grab-stuff vehicle. If you can, why not keep it? Because you're not – that now the, the Maria, I see where you're going, Paul, because we're talking seven grand out on a car you've already spent money on. Mm. That is money that doesn't necessarily need to be spent because it can go toward the Camaro. Yeah. Three grand for the Astrovan, it's barely a dent. 
And so he's I got kind of feel like, yeah. all right, all right. I, I kind of feel like the Astro, if, if you have a place for it to be, then keep it. Because what that does is that allows the Camaro to be, it doesn't have to do everything. You oh, can enjoy sure. it and love it. And if you think, I have to go pick up stuff at Home Depot. Or, oh, that's messy. And, oh, the dog got muddy. Or whatever it is. Because you can be it's like, cheap enough to keep. You know, I've got the Astro. I just, I don't yeah. have to do it. I don't have to worry the Camaro with that. True. As True. far as the Camaro is concerned, this is a car that's ending. And I'm going to ask this question. Do you have to get a new one? Can you save ten grand? Sure. I, I mean, I'm not looking at this yeah. as getting the new one. I'm, I'm just I know. Sort of, you know. But, what, but, but he's talked about getting a, getting a new car. And I can't, mm-hmm. I can't tell from the email if he means brand new or new to him. Oh, sure. And I'm going to really recommend, Luca, that you don't buy a brand new Camaro yeah. and take the hit. Get one a few years old and get one that's 40 sure. instead of you know, a brand new one that's touching 50. So save yourself a little bit of money. C28. Those are going for like 80 or 90 marked That's up. a great point. How about a, a the, generation back? The Z28 is now worth a fraction like of what it should be 30, worth. They're like 30, 40, right? Yeah. <laughs> that, you're right. That is, you should look him up right now in Auto Tempest. That is a find because the Z28, yeah, they were originally like 65 or 70, and then they marked oh, them up in, for up the first there. six months to 80, and then a year later you could get them for 50, and that is a throwdown of a Camaro. So that is a worthwhile one. That is a great alt All to, right, the, to the modern I'm, Camaro. I'm looking so up good, Camaros look right up. now. I'm also going to say this, Luca, and I'm just going to ask the question. To Paul's point, you said the Camaro is your dream car. So I, I have trouble fighting with don't get your dream car, but I'm going to ask this question. Have you driven a Corvette? Mm. Do you like Corvettes? It has all that V8 muscle car experience, but it also adds a little bit more sports car feel to it. Does that do both for you or not? There's nothing wrong with getting a Camaro, and I think the Z28 might be the find. Don't spend all 50 Get the one you like, have that experience with the Astro van waiting in the wings. So if you need to do something weird, you don't want to take the Camaro for it, you have the option. Let's see here. Where no, are you? I need to change the year because I'm getting I'm getting the nineties getting cars. The nineties Z twenty eight. Yeah, of I'm getting like ninety seven Z twenty eights. Okay, here we go. Twenty fifteen Camaro Z twenty eight with twenty nine thousand miles. Okay, those are fifty seven that's fifty seven nine. Hmm. Okay. Well maybe they've maybe they bounced and went back up. Okay, here's a twenty fourteen Z twenty eight for fifty, right bang on with thirty five thousand miles up okay. in Minnesota. Looks like it's very mileage dependent. They're still right around fifty three, fifty six. Okay. I'm surprised they're that much. They clearly have held on to some value that I didn't expect them to, but good to know. Oh, Chevy Camaro Callaway supercharged for a hundred grand. No, don't do that. Maybe not that, but you <laughs> could go for this twenty fourteen Z twenty eight for forty seven nine and not spend all of fifty. I like what you're saying, but I mean the Z twenty eight is that's classic Camaro right there. Well, and it is that that Z twenty eight had ridiculous tires. If I remember correctly, it was it was P zeros, and they had trouble with the tires staying on the rims and not spinning on the rims because the car had so much power. I mean, that Z twenty eight was a throwdown. So if you're going to spend all of your budget, I would go Z twenty eight. Otherwise, I would go SS. Get a year or two old one and don't spend your full fifty. Thank you guys for questions at all. As always, if you don't remember, we always ask for social media questions. That is. On Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, we ask for them Mondays for this Tuesday podcast or Thursday for the Friday podcast. We welcome them, all kinds of questions. If you have a car debate, please send that to EverydayDriverTV at Gmail. Please don't ask those in the social media questions, but we appreciate all the things you guys asked. There's all kinds of good stuff here. I'm going to start uh, <laughs> right here with, is imitation the sincerest form of flattery from Richard is asking this question. If you buy a car, the same color as a friend's car, and then put similar aftermarket wheels on it is that too much 
So, so you essentially made a clone of your friend's cool car. Mm-hmm. And then he says, Ben, what if the friend lives in a different town or state? Does it change things? Richard, I'm going to say this is only okay if the cars are not going to be seen together. <laughs> if you and your buddy go on drives and it's two of the same car, going, that was a bridge too far. Okay? Got it. If yeah. you've yeah. got one and you love it and you love the spec and your buddy's got one and, and you see your buddy, but the cars are never together, you're okay. Don't make a fleet. Don't make fleet cars out of these. That's bad. <laughs> Jumping over to Twitter, E. Einen says, is there coloring out of class? Is it better to hunt for a car in a good color or put a wrap on something grayscale? In mm. particular, German cars that are difficult to hunt with the options that one prefers. Mm. We always look at wraps as a great option. If you can find the car and it's got everything you want, including mm. the price, mm. except the color is preventing you from buying it. Wraps are a pretty cool invention. It is it pretty is a solve. Yeah, it is a good solve. And I like that as kind of the last resort, though. I would love it if you can get the paint color, the original color of the car, because there is some connection to that. Knowing that you've got the color that you wanted, that just makes your search harder. But as far as coloring out of class, I thought you were going to talk about cars being painted colors they shouldn't. Mm -hmm. That is what it sounds like, yeah. You and I talked about years ago about Aston Martin Vantages. Mm -hmm. You wanted one in something yellow or red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's not the Aston positioning, I don't think. That's yeah, they do it occasionally, but it's not common. A, yeah. a bright color on a very expensive car, I think, kind of cheapens it. On the other hand, Lamborghinis <laughs> and Ferraris exist, and I guess it doesn't. So yeah, All I want is color. Yeah, I'm <laughs> desperate for those cars to be in a color. I, I think that perception about color is changing, specifically because of this. And we're seeing it in Toyota's lineup. Mm-hmm. Their current lineup has changed from forest green, or the army green, yeah, yeah. and then it went to circus peanut orange, Yes, and then it went to electric lime green. They do a special color every year on all their trucks. All on trucks and yeah. forerunners. Yeah, yeah. And it didn't cheapen it at all. It actually made it kind of look more expensive. And if I were to see a Lamborghini in grayscale, mm-hmm. eh, kind of boring. Mm-hmm. It needs mm-hmm. something vibrant and a mm, hot color. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm all about brilliant, bright colors. And I think the colors have become to a place where they're sophisticated enough to not cheapen the car anymore. I do think Astons could be painted bright colors. I think they're interesting now. If they are wrapped in something great. Mm-hmm. Yes, we both push for color here. Definitely not white. I mean, if you get a white car and you get it wrapped, you're always going to open the car and your door jam is going to be white. It's like, oh, there's the edge of the canvas. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. I'm going to stay on Twitter real quick and talk about Matt's question, which which got my brain going. Matt asked, name a car, SUV or CUV, or even a truck that we feel are the best current values. Now, he's not talking about that's an affordable car. He's just saying the price is a good value for what you get. I thought that was interesting. So I got my brain going for a minute. And I thought of a few. I thought of a half dozen cars or so that I think the price they're selling for, I'm talking MSRP right now. I know markup exists. I'm talking what the manufacturer lists them for. I go, yeah, that's exactly right. Mm. Here's the other thing to think about. The average new car price right now is over forty grand. I'm not saying that's a good thing, but I'm saying that's the average. Right. So if you're right. under forty grand, you're under the average price of a new car. Also, keep this in mind. Gone are the days of cars with a one on the front of the number, unless it's over $100,000. There's no $18,000 car hanging out right now. Oh, yeah. Everything's over twenty. Jeez. Okay, so keep that yeah. in mind. So I'm going to start here. The GR86. That would be top of my list. Loaded out at $32,000. Yeah. Is a, yeah. 
that's what that car's worth. That's what that car costs. I mean, keep in mind, the Z starts at 40. The four-cylinder Supra starts at 40. Caymans start at 60, at least. Okay, so a $32,000 GR86, it's hard to get a Miata under 30. You can, but it's hard. Yeah, okay? he's talking more about worth here. He's talking he? about value for what, you know, oh, this is a really good value for what you spent. I'll give you the counterpoint. A Suburban, a really loaded Suburban is going to cost you eighty to $90,000. Worth it. That's expensive. Holy. That's crazy expensive. Yes. But worth it. Get yourself a Suburban because you spent your money well. Another one on the other end of the spectrum, current Honda Civic. You can get those for under yes. $30,000. That is a lot of car for under thirty. Now, I know you can go SI, still worth it, by the way, in the mid-30s. And then, of course, Type R, if you can get one for MSRP, worth it. If you can get one for 70 don't do that. But the Honda Civic, like you went and bought a Civic, that's worth the price. The Elantra N is $34,000. Yes, please. That's great value. That's a fantastic yeah. value. And I have yeah. two more. The Genesis GV70. The way you want it is probably every bit of 60 Yes. Uh-huh. That's Agreed. worth it. Agreed. And the last one I've got on my list is the Ford Maverick. Whatever you bought that nice. car for. Yes. Uh-huh. Maverick. Got it. Done. Lucas5F asked me a really hard question. Okay. You know how we've talked about other podcasts that we do. We've talked about watches, whiskey, and design, and he <laughs> gives me a track daily crush. Oh, no. Watches, whiskey, or design. <laughs> Very good. You have to oh. crush one. I like this. Very good. Well, design has been my jam ever since I was two, practically. Mm -hmm. I yeah, mean, yeah. I, I've always loved the design of things. I took apart my mother's appliances, and I broke her things. And <laughs> She was quite tolerant of you, wasn't she? <laughs> very tolerant. I've always been fascinated with how things work and why they look the way they do. And so design, I'm dailing. That, is, that can't sure, I see my it. life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Watches is also something that I, I really love. Mm -hmm. I'm just into watches. I'm learning even more. I'm reading Revolution Magazine, which is a spectacular <laughs> and spectacularly expensive magazine, but okay. it's sort of this great reference. And you learn all about this you know, deep dive into movements and history. I really love that. <laughs> sure. Why not? So that yeah. is my track. Okay. Which means as much as I love whiskey, it's not as important as these other two. So I'm letting that go. Wow. Yeah. All right. Whiskey died. That's, that's surprising. Yeah. Miller 45 on Instagram said, a few years ago, he visited Dallas and saw many Texas edition trucks from all makes, take this. which he said, <laughs> we've talked about, but he was amazed to actually see it and it made him laugh. So he said, what other state would benefit from a special edition version and what kind of car would it be? And then he already <laughs> went for what I was going to say. I mean, bravo, Dr. Miller, because you said... Would it be Oregon or Washington edition of the Subaru Outback, which is very good? I would also say the main Outback. Yeah. The main yeah. edition Subaru Outback would be a very good edition. one. He said, bonus question, why hasn't there been a Texas Lexus? And I will give you a weird answer from the 90s. There kind of was. The Texas edition of the Lexus, it wasn't a badge, but it was what they did to the badges. In the 90s, every Lexus you would see had gold dip badges. Oh, that's right. It was Everywhere in Texas. It was weird to see a Lexus in the state of Texas in, nine, in the 90s where the badges weren't gold. I remember seeing ads to open up a business with a plating machine. Mm -hmm. It's that popular. You could just have a little business mm -hmm. plating the badges on people's cars. Everywhere I went in the 90s and saw, because I was in Texas off and on all through the 90s. Anytime I saw a Lexus, they were all gold badge. There was no, there was no silver badging. What are you talking about? You have a Lexus. How about a Miami Huracan or, you know. You know it. 
some like, sort of like Miami edition really Lamborghini. Really play into the stereotype. For sure. Absolutely true. Okay, well, then we can't leave Park City alone. Okay. We've got to skewer Park City, too. The Park City Rivian? The Park City Edition Rivian. The Park City Cayenne, the Park City Ranges. Yes, yes. The Range Rovers are like a plague. <laughs> well, okay. Well, There's you, an infestation of Range Rover autobiographies here. Well, yes, and also the Rivians are everywhere. My, my, I think all the Rivians are here. I think they are. We went to L.A. recently, and it was weird how few Rivians we saw. Was, oh, my gosh, there's one. They are everywhere yeah. here. You can. I don't care where you drive. Drive five minutes, you will see at least one. Here's, the, here's another one I thought of. <laughs> the Beverly Hills Edition G-Wagon. Yeah. It's not an LA yeah. edition. It's the Beverly Hills. Like it's, it's the Rodeo Drive edition. That's what it is. That's even better. That's it's the more Rodeo specific. Drive edition G-Wagon. Oh, I like that. Optagon is asking if a Golf with a VR6 engine is appreciably different in its driving experience than an Audi TT with a VR6 engine, hmm. both being front-wheel drive. It matters less about the engine and the power. And what Todd and I talk about all the time is the platform mm-hmm. that the engine is screwed to. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter if you drive a GTI with a four-cylinder and an Audi with a VR6. Mm. What matters is the platform that both cars sit on. It is the axle, the front axle to your H-point, or the front axle to the pedals, or the front axle to the, the cowl, the firewall. All of those things determine, of course, where engines can be mounted and if it can accept front wheel, rear wheel, or all-wheel drive. Yeah. But for most of those, we get in an Atlas and think, GTI. Yeah, it's crazy. Same platform. doesn't matter what the power is. The, and the MQD engines are different. The platform is so ubiquitous in Volkswagen. It yes. is amazing that the Polo to the Atlas feel quite related. It almost doesn't matter what the wheelbase length is either. We Isn't can instantly feel what the platform is doing. That's what matters more than power. Yeah, they're not going to be appreciably different. Bradley J, 1983, on Instagram says he wants to buy a two-seat sports car, but he has a three-year-old and a new edition arriving any day now. That's not a new edition on the house. Wow. That's the second kid. So congratulations. He says he can afford a two-seat sports car, but and they even have cars to haul around both kids. So that's not a problem. But the thing that gives him pause is a two-seater will really just be a car for he and his wife. He can't take the whole family on a road trip. So should he be pursuing a two-seater or lean toward a four-door or a two-plus-two? What should I continue, c- consider when making this decision? Bradley, a couple things going on here. First off, there's nothing wrong with having a car that doesn't take everybody. True. That is a weird thing. We've talked <laughs> Says about the Elise owner. Yes, this is the weird <laughs> thing we've talked about. And, and I always equate it to shoes, okay? Every shoe you have is a little bit different. You have shoes to go out in for a nice dinner, shoes for the formal dinner, shoes to go running in, shoes to maybe go, you know what, I'm just going to run out real quick and get the paper. Oh, I have shoes that I'm, you know what, it's a little muddy today. Yeah. You get different shoes for different tasks. We are somehow all hardwired into thinking that every car I own has to do everything I ever need it to do. And my question is, why? If you can't, now here's the thing, if you can afford to have a two-seat car, why not? Because here's the problem with two plus twos. They're great for that tiny little window when the kids are out of the rear-facing car seat, but not so big that they need legroom. And that's a couple-year window, my friend. It's it's a short window. <laughs> so now you are talking about four-seat, four-door cars. But what's wrong with you having a car that you can just take your wife out in? Or she can just drive with one of the kids? Or you can take the kid, one of the kids out. I mean, I know every dad I know with multiple kids does this thing where they take one of their kids out for a date and they just go get ice cream or whatever with one of the Why not take the two-seater? Right. If you'd like a two-seater and your life is structured in a way that it doesn't have to do everything, if you're going to commute in the two-seater every day and you've got to pick up the kids in addition to whatever your wife has, 
that's a different conversation. But it doesn't sound like that's the case. It sounds like you can have one. So I just say embrace the proper car, which is the two-seater. If you need a fun car for the whole family, you have to go sedan. But that's not what we're talking about. Sharif is asking me a question about Caymans. We will quickly cover how thinly we can slice the differences between a 981 Boxster Cayman GTS, he says, which I may have driven once or twice. You have, yes. Or a 718 base Cayman. They're pretty close on the used market in terms of pricing with the even older GTS is still commanding a premium. That's good to know. (laughs) Hmm. Taking notes. That's cool. We covered this in our Cayman Generations piece. Yes, Yes, we we did. did. He's curious about my thoughts with the current market. It really depends on what you kind of want to do with the car. Mm -hmm. Say that for every car. However, slicing it thinly, keep in mind that these differences are very, very close together. Yeah. My car is more of the GT Cayman, whereas the 718, even without the GT power, is more slightly more raw. A little bit, yeah. The other difference, of course, is engine noise because the bottom two, the base 718 and the S, Mm -hmm. are going to be four-cylinder, the flat fours. Yes. You don't, Get the the 4.0 until you step up to the GTS, but that's yeah. not what you're talking about. So that six-cylinder is still just money. I still love my it car. It sounds great. Your car sounds amazing. It's just it's yeah. gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. I actually like the styling a little bit better. It's a little bit friendlier. I think it's the best-looking Cayman ever. I do, too. And it's still very hardcore. When you put it in Sport Plus mode, yeah, yeah. it still dances on track, mm-hmm. which sure. I love. And the best thing about the GTS is its road trip capability. The space in it, mm-hmm. the power and the GTS chassis tuning to make it excellent on track, mm-hmm. but still a great canyon and daily car. That's what I love most about GTS, and I would go for GTS every time over the base if that were the option. Interesting. Guys, thank you for all your questions. Really appreciate it. Write to us your Topic Tuesdays, car conclusions, and most of all your car debates. Yep. TV at gmail.com. Looking forward to next time as always. Cheers, everyone.